invite you to join me in the call to worship. God said, this is my son, the beloved. Let us worship you, O beloved God. God said, listen, we want to hear your voice. God said, do not be afraid. We lay our worries at your feet. After all this was spoken, God was quiet. Holy God, still our souls, quiet our minds, and prepare us to be transformed in this time of worship. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come before you this morning as your dearly loved children. We are so grateful for that and for the opportunity to gather and to worship you and to celebrate with each other a new day. So, Father, as we do that, we pray that you would receive glory and honor and praise. Father, remind us of the things that have gone through this week, the good, the troubling, the taxing. Father, let us uh, get rest this morning as we sit with you. Take a moment in silent prayer. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now the prayer of preparation and confession. Patient and persistent, God, 
Your love for us is everlasting and gentle, and we need reminders of your uplifting grace because we so often stumble. We hold on to old patterns, even when they weave tension and disagreement. We blindly push our own long-term Some days, nothing seems to go right. Merciful God, let your patient and persistent love hold us tenderly so we may learn to wait for your whisper and follow your pathway. Ease our white-knuckled grip of having to be in charge and take our hand and lead us in the way of peace. In the name of Jesus. God's word to be true, and in his word he promises us that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us for that sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us remember that and let it affect the way we live. Amen. Let's stand and greet those that are around us. We welcome you to the service and those who are viewing online as well. If you're on the inside aisle, if you'll take the pew pad, sign yourself in, pass it on down. If you're visiting here today, a special welcome to you. There's a place on the pad where you can give us your contact information as well. If you turn to the color page in your programs there, uh, you'll see that there's lots of announcements going on. We're having an Ash Wednesday service and a dinner coming up. And if you want to come, please sign up for the dinner so that we can know how many people to cook for. There's a, a service project called Hope Cafe. This is an opportunity to serve dinner to homeless people uh, in Oakland. Um, at City Team, and that's coming up on March 14th. There's another pick-a-party on March 1st, Flavors of New Orleans, which is a fundraiser for Mission. There's a whole announcement there about some gatherings that Dawn is putting together called Come and See. If you would like information about the church, about what it means to join or become a member, there are times there which uh, you can come down and experience that. Of course, the treasure sale, a big thing coming every year. We have this to raise money for the Mexico trip. And so if you have things, you'll see the, the times there of gathering those items as well. And then Project Peace is another service project, which is coming on March 21st to support Harbor House as well. I also need to announce the passing of one of our longtime dear members this week, Keith Tallis, made the transition from this life to more life. We ask you to keep his family and his friends in your thoughts and in your prayers. His service will be held on Saturday, February 29th. 11 a.m. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we, uh, we want to make sure that we give you the honor to your name this morning. Father, we are so grateful for who you are, both to us and to our world, both as our Savior and our Sustainer. Father, we give you glory and honor fact that you are a just God and a righteous God, a God that is full of grace 
slow to anger, offering mercy and forgiveness. So, Father, remind us of that today. And, Father, as we do think about that and are reminded of how different you are from us, we need to take a moment and confess our sin of this past week to you. Those times that we have been selfish and put our interests above that of others, that we've not taken your word seriously or neglected that. Father, when we have chose to go our way and make our decisions instead of your way and the things that you would have for us. Father, we confess those to you now and ask your forgiveness. And we're so grateful for that forgiveness and reinstatement in your eyes by doing that. And we are so grateful for the work that your son has done on the cross for our behalf that that could take place. Father, we also want to give you thanks for all the things in our lives that we enjoy, whether it be the necessities, the, the people in our families and our loved ones, those that we gather with this morning, and just all the things that we enjoy. Let us be reminded that if it was not for your grace, we would not enjoy those, for we surely do not deserve them. So, Father, we just take a moment of thanks. We also want to bring before you, Father, those members of our church and our community and our families and friends that are in special need this morning of your healing, touch, and mercy, both physically and emotionally and spiritually. Father, as we find opportunity to, to be your hands and your feet and serve those, may we do so. But God, we want to take a moment and just lift up the people that are in special need of your spirit this morning. Finally, Father, we also want to just give back to you the words that your Son has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power the glory forever. Amen. My life flows on in endless song above us. 
Scripture Day comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, and it contains uh, a fabulous promise, uh, one that should bring a lot of hope to all of our hearts. What then shall we say to this? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also give us all things with him? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Is it Christ Jesus who died? Yes, who was raised from the dead, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. May the Lord bless to our hearts and our minds this reading of his word. Gregory Jones, in one of his books, talks about uh, the British Empire at its peak in the Victorian era. They colonized much of the world. They had uh, places all over the world in which they were in charge. It was the, the British Empire there. And wherever they went, they would try to take their, their customs with them. They would took their culture there. So, of course, uh, they, you'd have high tea in the afternoon. You'd have London dry gin. And you'd have golf. Now, when the Brits went to India and they built a golf course in Calcutta, 
they encountered a unique problem. When they would hit the ball, a monkey could drop out of the tree, run out and grab the ball and just throw it somewhere else. Or run off to some other place with the ball and drop it there. The monkeys were wreaking havoc on the game of golf. They tried everything they could think of to fix the problem. They built a fence around the golf course, which, of course, the monkeys climbed over. They went and they tried to put food at distant places to attract the monkeys other places, but they found out the monkeys preferred to see the people go berserk when they played with their little white balls. They carted the monkeys off to somewhere else, but for every monkey they carted off, another one came. So they finally decided to make a rule, a club rule. And the rule was, play the ball where the monkey drops it. Play the ball where the monkey drops it. This made a very interesting game. Because you can hit the best drive of your life, 250 yards down the middle of the fairway, and the monkey could go out, grab the ball, and throw it in a sand trap. Or you could have the worst drive of your life. You could be way off in the rough, slice there, way off in the rough behind a tree, and a monkey could grab your ball and take it out and drop it right in the middle of the fairway, right in front of the green. I mean, a very interesting game. Play the ball where the monkey drops it. You have to say, that's not a bad analogy for our life. Because life throws at us a lot of curveballs, right? A lot of things happen in your life which are not your fault, they just happen. They're random occurrences, just like a monkey coming and taking a ball. And our job is to learn to deal with those random occurrences in our life. Life is capricious. Life is not fair, but we make the most of it. There are good breaks and there's bad breaks. We cannot control the outcome of the game. You know how it is. Some days things just go perfect. You wake up, you climb out of bed, there's no low-lying coastal fog, For a cha- breakfast tastes delicious, the Pete's coffee is fresh, the children are unusually pleasant, driving to work you hit all the green lights, the traffic on the bridge is good, you have a productive and rewarding day at work, that day the monkey dropped the ball a few inches from the cup. And there are the other days. We remember these as well, too. Despite a packed closet, there doesn't seem to be anything to wear. You have run out of coffee. You can't find your car keys. And once you do, all the lights are red. You get to work, and the computers are down. And you forgot to back up your work from yesterday. That day, the monkey tossed the ball into a sand trap. Now, obviously, there's a lot more to life than good and bad breaks, right? We have some control over our life. If you study hard in school and you get good grades, then you'll probably get into a good college. That's not a good good break. That's just diligence. How we apply ourselves, obviously, makes a huge impact on our life. However, some breaks in life, both good and bad, are beyond our control. We were lucky, some of us were lucky enough to be born into a a loving family. Others were not. Some of us were lucky enough to be born into a rich, prosperous, free country. Other people are not. 
there are good and bad breaks. And, and, and then maybe if uh, in our life, they just happen. They are there. One of the great things about my job is, and I always say I have the best job in the world because I get to share with people the good and the bad on the journey of life. The really high moments, the beautiful, joyous moments, and the difficult and tough moments in people's life. I remember one, one day when I lived in Miami, one hospital visit, it had both. There was a couple in our church named the McDonald's. And they had been trying for years and years to have a baby. They tried everything that science provided and medicine provided for that. They were finally told, no way, it's not going to happen. And then, miraculously, in their early 40s, they had a child. They had a baby named Ryan. And I can remember walking into that room in the hospital and seeing them there with this baby that they had yearned for for so long, and the joy in that room was palpable. I started calling them my Abraham and Sarah because they were so old to have a baby. But they were so happy, so incredibly happy. Then I took the elevator down one floor, walked down the hallway to visit my dear friend and tennis partner, Hogan Graber. Hogan was a was an exercise fanatic. He was a long-distance runner, great tennis player, kind of a health nut, too. Always watched his, his diet. Never smoked a day in his life. And he was dying of lung cancer in that room. The high and the low, the good break and the bad break. If you've never had a personal tragedy, you may be able to fully believe that God is good and he has everything under control and that he will safeguard you and your family from harm. But whenever you experience tragedies, you realize there is a lot of randomness in the world. I was thinking uh, this week of my first week coming here to this church. My first Sunday standing here in this pulpit was September 9th, 2001. It was two days before 9-11. And I remember that week, all that week, uh, the, the service that night, we had processing all of this, all the questions that were around that event. Why New York and not San Francisco? Why United Flight 93 and not some other flight? All of the wondering about those sorts of things, wondering what is it? And I have come to believe that through the good and bad in life, that the main thing is to remember and to rely on the grace of God. It's God's grace which gets us through those difficult and tough times in life when we're wondering about things. I'll never forget my first experience of grace, my very first one. I was in fourth grade, and uh, at our school in Phoenix, there was a girl there named Patty Paschke. And uh, Patty was not attractive, she wasn't popular. In fact, she had bad personal hygiene. She stank. And you know how uh, boys have a game where they'll go and touch a girl and then run and say, I got girl cooties. And then they would touch another boy and pass on. And then they have to go on and pass on the girl cooties. I know maybe girls have the same game or maybe they're just nicer. But, um, but you know, you play that kind of game. Well, our game was Patty Stink. You touch Patty, 
and then you run and touch somebody else and say, you got Patty Paschke stinks. And then they would run and touch somebody else and say, you got Patty stinks. On and on and on. I remember one time, she was gone for a week. And on Friday, the teacher said, boys and girls, Patty's been gone this week because her, because her mother died. She has been helping take care of her younger brother and sister, even though she's only in fourth grade. And so when she comes back next week, I want you to be nice to her. I want you to be nice. So on Monday, on the playground at recess, I went up to Patty and said, sorry about your mom. She said, yeah. She said, at least she doesn't hurt anymore. Then she said, thanks for being nice to me. And I ran to the farthest corner of that playground and sobbed because I had not been nice to her. I had played the game. I had laughed. But she gave me grace. She gave me a moment of grace, which is the only thing that can restore our worth, really. A few years ago, my high school sent out a letter about a 30th reunion. And they had in the letter the names of people from my graduating class who they couldn't find. They said, do you know any of these people? Do you have an address or a phone number or an email for them? If you do, let us know. And there was the name. There it was. Patty Paschke. I said, I know where she is. She's in my heart. She will always be in my heart. I cannot afford to forget her, a face that pointed me to the grace of God, which is the only source that can transform our unworthiness. Our faith is paradoxical. We have to hold truth in both hands because sometimes they fight with each other. So I had this image of two huge truths. I like to imagine them as two signs on God's desk. You walk down, you walk down the aisle, the, 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 the walkway there, and there's a sign, a door that says God. You open the door, you go in, God is sitting at the desk, and there are two signs on the desk. The first sign says, don't feel totally personally responsible for everything, that's my job. The other sign says, if you go around saying I have a miserable life, I'll show you what a miserable life really is. If you go around saying, I have a wonderful life, I'll show you what a wonderful life really is. We have breaks in life that we cannot control, but we can control how we respond. The one thing that we can control is our response to what happens in our life. I was thinking also this week, as I remembered back about 9-11 in that first week, I remember reading something that Garrison Keillor wrote about the people who made phone calls from the Twin Towers and from the plane to their loved ones in the moments before their death. It turns out that there was a remarkable similarity in content and tone in those phone calls. He wrote, if we really want to understand the truth of this event, 
we should look to all the men and the women who saw that death was near and called home on their cell phones from the plane or building. Not to express anger or fear or bitterness, but simply to say, I love you. Take care of the children. Have a good life. In a moment of great clarity, at the end, they called amid smoke and confusion and panic to give us their benediction. And we should accept it. Love each other. Take care of the children. Have a good life. And give thanks to the Lord with our whole heart for his steadfast love and faithfulness.
you join me in the prayer of thanksgiving. Gracious God, what a gift we have in Jesus. So as we give thanks for your many graces, rekindle our faith, renew our spirits, vanquish our fear, and grant us courage. For where we go, Jesus has gone before. In gratitude, therefore, we dedicate these gifts and our lives to you.
brothers and sisters, as you go forth from this place, I remind you that you are leaving as representatives, as ambassadors of our Lord Jesus Christ. So live your life this week in such a way that wherever you are, when people see you, they'll see Christ living in you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and always hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. Go in peace.